Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. We get a lot of questions from listeners about commercial projects or existing members who are residential designers but just took on their first commercial project. For most, you have one primary focus or clientele, commercial or residential projects. But what if you consistently take on both? To answer this question, I reached out to Business of Design member Veronica Martin, who we've recently gotten to know pretty well through our BO. Veronica and her business partner, Carrie Stinson, a design firm in Toronto that manages both. In this episode, Veronica and Carrie talk with Kimberly, comparing the process of running commercial projects versus residential and working for an individual versus a corporate. At the end of the interview, Kimberly asked them to hang out and have a candid conversation about how they've applied the BOD 15-step project management strategy to their projects, what's the best thing in their contract, and asked them to share their long-term goals. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and log into your member account or sign up for membership to listen to MoBOD in that members-only episode, you're going to hear Veronica talk about Larry and how they're counting on him to help them reach their long-term goals. Larry Goldberg, who they're talking about, is Business of Design's CFO, and he provides financial guidance to our boss groups. If you're interested in joining our next boss group, be sure to apply soon. Our next group launches August 1st and space is limited. We are also counting down the days to the BOD Elite Retreat, which is happening in Santa Monica on April 28th to May 1st. Complete details are on the website and we would love for you to join us. Please reach out to me if you have any questions. And finally, I want to mention that BOD Live, our next member meeting is happening on February 16th. Kimberly is gonna be talking about hourly versus flat fee projects. Should you or shouldn't you switch to flat fees? Kimberly is going to discuss the key differences between business of designs, hourly fee, and flat fee methods, which method to start with, how to effectively use both methods, and how to decide which method. There is so much happening at Business of Design, and we want you to join us for all of it. But in the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Seldon. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Hey there. It won't surprise Business of Design members or longtime listeners to know that we are always looking for suppliers who make our work easier, right? So I'd like to introduce you to Business of Design podcast sponsor, Daniel House Club. Daniel House Club simplifies the business of design. They do that by allowing us to source from over 80 trade vendors while taking advantage of deep discounts and no minimum orders. You can also use your Daniel House Club dashboard to share pieces with clients 
And this is amazing. Freight is always 10%. And white glove delivery quotes are available nationwide. Customer service is really important to Daniel House Club. They have a concierge who will pick up the phone and answer your questions, help you search for products, help you organize returns, or affect replacements or repair when necessary. Now, how do they know what we need? Well, Daniel House Club started as a design business, so founders Peter and Alexander Spalding have done the hard work of servicing clients, and they really want to help us succeed. BOD listeners, this is where you come in. When you go to danielhouse.club during the month of February, you can receive an additional 50% off your Pro or Pro Plus membership using the discount code BODPRO. You can also try them out for free. Get in on the action. And thanks for sponsoring Business of Design. All right. But I knew you guys wouldn't mind if I was drinking coffee during this podcast, but I've been up since no. 5 a.m. Uh, this is my fourth uh-huh. Zoom meeting since 5 a.m. And it, by the way, that's a lot. Only one I was looking forward to, but I knew oh. because I was looking at your website that you guys met over matching shoes and co- a shoe of coffee that you would drink coffee. Starbucks in my hand. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to make another one, but then I was scared I'd be too jittery. We're nervous, Kimberly. We don't do this kind of thing. Veronica's had nine cups of coffee. You have room to spare, Carrie. I know. I know. I, anyway. Are you in? Are you in Toronto, Kimberly? Or are no, you? I'm in LA. No. We spent a month in Palm Springs. I brought my. my we brought our, my mother-in-law to Palm Springs for the month. And, uh, and both of my children, because my kids hadn't been together in over two years because of COVID. Mm, yeah, just nice. All living in a house, it should have been a reality show because it was insane. comical. But yeah, now mm-hmm. I'm in Santa Monica, and I'm like, you can tell I'm detoxing. I've got my hoodie and you're and like coffee. And I'm like, just keep quiet. <laughs> we are going to. We're going to actually talk about. Uh, things that are relevant to business of design. So this this buildup, you know, may have been fascinating to everyone listening, but now we're going to actually get into the nitty gritty. There's kind of two topics I'd love to explore, but let's let's start with this. You both are you you became well. First, tell everybody how you met because that's adorable. Just tell the story of how you guys first met. So about. 20 years ago, Carrie and I started on the very first day together um, working with a Toronto-based company called Yabu Pushelberg. Um, and that's where we both learned the, um, the, the really art of design. We worked there for 10 years together. Um, we became instant friends. We worked hard, but we played hard. And in that environment, you did that together with everybody. Um, all hours of the day and all around the world. <laughs> Yeah, and that's our design career started with um, commercial and hospitality projects. So we worked with big brands that had um, really strong structure within their organization. So we worked with Four Seasons um, Hotels. We worked with Barney's New York, um, partnerships with Ian Schrager, an addition hotel. And like Carrie said, they were all over, all over the world. For those of you listening who don't know who Yabu Pushenberg are, it's like, you know, there's maybe 10 firms in the world that have their reputation. And uh, anyway, that's a big get. So that's an, it's mm-hmm. amazing. And it's incredible that you had that background and that training before you launched into partnership, because so often most of us just kind of stumble backwards into how to be. And you guys probably had a good blueprint about 
how you envisioned your future working together? Yeah, I mean, we were surrounded by incredible um, people that worked at Yabu Pusherberg. I think in terms of mentorship, we learned so much from not only the owners of the firm, but also we had really strong, um, mostly female design leads, um, at the firm. And you were just, you were surrounded by this attitude of anything is possible. You, you don't miss deadlines. The expectation to come up with incredible design is, is so high. And, um, and, you know, you just, you were surrounded by that every day and it really, I think, set the tone for us. So when, when we started with, when we started our own company, Twofold Interiors, we started with a really simplified three-step process. Uh, step one was concept design and development. Step two, construction coordination and specification. And step three, project management. Um, and when you're working in commercial, those are the major milestones. And then we also broke down each step into different percentages. And our system was, it was heavy and it was complicated and it wasn't, um, it wasn't really suited for residential. Um, we knew that we needed to simplify it. Um, we knew that we needed to develop a stronger process and a, and a stronger steps that were broken down further into each category so that we could be really clear with what we were delivering to our clients and we could be really transparent with what was coming up next. Um, Your three steps sounds like what we would call phases. So when we do commercial work, we have similar phases. And I know exactly what you mean because those are really good jumping off points. But then there's all these little details in each of those phases that need to be attended to. Yeah. And in, to be fair, in the last six months after meeting meeting with you and understanding your 15-step process, um, we started... Um, fine-tuning and really thinking about what ours was and where we wanted to take ours. And and because of you, Kimberly, and, and your um, your systems, we 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 revamped and then broke it down into each um, each step so that we had a stronger process, clear deliverables. Um, but the most important thing that came from that was we it allowed us to empower our team so that they knew what was coming um, and that they were able to do it. Carrie and I joke around that um, our process is always evolving slightly and we're making little tweaks. And the moment that we have it perfect is the day that we can retire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to acknowledge that there's like a wrestling match happening, happening somewhere behind either behind Carrie or behind Veronica. What are, what are we hearing? Is it behind me? I think it's in the corridor. Yeah. My corridor, my office corridor, maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I just want the listeners to know, like, we're, we're safe. We're in a place where we're all safe, but there's like some big activity happening somewhere and there's a little banging and whatever happened. There's no ghost. And, and Carrie and I also want to retire at some point. Yeah. I couldn't <laughs> yeah. agree more. I'll never get it hundred percent perfect. The minute I think like I'm there, I've arrived, something needs to be tweaked or is, needs to be changed because life has changed, you know, like checks who has checks anymore. Right. So like exactly. it's a simple example, but it's true. It's a dynamic business for sure. When you guys, um, launched on your own, was your intention to 
limit yourself to only commercial projects as you had done the 10 years previous? No, not at all. Um, after Yabu Pischelberg, Veronica had started her own residential design firm and was really just mostly taking on residential clients. Um, and then I had stayed in commercial world. And when we had the idea to join together, I was looking forward to kind of getting my feet wet in residential. And Veronica had been doing that for a while and kind of wanted to get back into commercial a little bit. So we just, we're, we, we like doing both and we're sort of, we've always been open to both. And because we have a network of people in the commercial world, we, um, we do commercial projects still, um, with more of a focus on residential. Now we do mostly a, it's a 70, 30 split a lot of the time, but between 70 being residential, 30 commercial, it's fun to switch it up. And after you've worked on a long commercial job for a few years, it's, um, it's nice to have residential sprinkled in and vice versa. You guys are like a Reese's peanut butter cup. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of, I, well, I was going to say that's kind of my split 30, 70, but that's probably not accurate. It's probably more 20, 80. Um, but I, I'm really curious, like, why the hell would you leave a sweet commercial niche to get into residential? Like what, what's the matter with you? Like most people like kind of think commercials, not, it's not easier, but it's, there are some aspects that make it a little bit easier. Would you, would you not say? Commercial projects are heavier in terms of um, expectations. You're designing by committee, not necessarily to one or two individuals. Um, There's so many um, other consultants that are on the project and you have to do a lot more coordination. Um, So your projects are slower and, um, and you don't get to see the finish line for sometimes up to five years. And with residential, it's it's faster. There's quicker turnovers, um, a lot more smiles, and and um, and, and more intimacy. Mm-hmm. You really see. We find with residential, you really see there's immediate impact of um, of helping somebody create a home that they will live in and that improves the life of their family day to day. With commercial, you you know you are designing an incredible lobby space, but it's, it's ultimately you're working with, um, a board or a boardroom of people making decisions and residential is, it's like Veronica said, it's so much more intimate and, and rewarding that way. We think. I, yeah, I would say that that's true. And also with commercial, don't you find like the few lobbies or whatever that we've done, you can make about, you know, 80% of the people happy, but then there's 20 pe- 20% who hate it. And with a, with the yeah. residential job, usually you're making both partners happy. Yeah. Yeah. And with commercial, so we're working on um, three condo towers here in Toronto and we're on conference calls where we're talking about wind tunnels um, or fire safety. Um, We even get into bike storage and it's important, but it's certainly not fascinating. Um, So sometimes it's nice to pull out and and have a break and do something that's really um, um, extravagant in the residential world that's a little bit more flexible. 
What advice would you give to anyone listening who's thinking of making the leap to one side or the other? Let's start with this. Let's say somebody has been doing residential design forever and they just covet the idea of doing commercial projects. What advice would you give that designer before he or she makes the leap? Mm, Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just, it's a different, it's a different way of working. It can feel a little bit more, you're, you're usually part of a very large firm in commercial design. Um, it's very fast paced. It's, it is more of a situation where you're presenting in front of 25 men in a boardroom or women in a boardroom. It's, it's a different, feels like a very different beast. Um, but you gain incredible, experience in a very short amount of time. I mean, even within the first three years, we felt like we went back to school all over again. And the, the one big thing we see are, well, one of our skills that we think was, um, was really learned in commercial world is our ability to plan. And, and that's something that is such a big focus in, um, in commercial design. And we've now, we can take that skill and translate it into residential pretty, pretty easily, but, but it is a fast paced, challenging world. That's for sure. And one thing that is important um, to know is that with some commercial projects, unfortunately your voice is smaller. So you don't have much as much control as you would in a residential project. And, um, and sometimes your design needs to make big sacrifices to either get to the budget or um, or the end user is, um, is, is different than what you were expecting. Um, and also it takes longer to get paid, um, which is something that we had to make sure that our bank account could uh, sustain because we weren't issuing invoices that were due on um, receipt. The invoices that we issue now with our commercial jobs, they can take up to 45 days to get paid. Yeah, that's that's all such good advice. How would you suggest, and I want to flip it on its head and go the other way as well, but how would you suggest somebody who's currently doing residential projects could even get a first shot at doing a commercial project? Where should they start? Mm, that's a good question. Networking with other designers um, that that are in residential or joining associations that cater more to the residential um, world than the commercial world. I think those are big, um, big areas to to get projects. What about, um, do do you have to go on blind bids? Do you have to show up and, and, you know, put together a presentation and not get paid for it? Yeah, there's... um, there's the RFP process, the request for proposal. So um, sometimes people do that. That can be a lot of work and time consuming. Um, a lot of times you have to sort of do plans, renderings, um, almost treat it like a competition in order to win the job. Um, that's that's a big part of commercial design projects. Did you so, get the RFP for, from the Cirque du Soleil thing? 
Oh, no, that would no. be amazing. Well, yeah, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. But then it was like, no, one suite and a hotel room and the budget was nothing, but it has to be extraordinary to match the brand. Anyway, yeah, thank you, no. <laughs> no, I, I don't get commercial projects that way. I get commercial projects. I'll tell you how I got the first one. I was working with a couple and she said, oh, my husband has an office and they want to redo their boardroom. You don't do that, do you? And I said, oh, sure we do, knowing nothing. And so I did it. And then I added it to my contract. I just uh, added that our services include commercial projects such as hotel lobbies, blah, blah, blah. And then little by little, I got some jobs, but I only get those commercial jobs where I know the client and they're saying, just get her to come in and do this job. Don't, you know, don't, don't do RFPs because I don't do any of that. Yeah. We haven't done too much of that either. Sorry. Commercial, some commercial buildings also require you to have your NCIDQ or a certain amount of insurance. Mm -hmm. So to have those things lined up before you cross over is also important. Okay. Okay. And then let's flip it the other way. And I guess maybe I'll do this first. I'll say you, you could also dip your toes into smaller things. Like you guys have worked on huge building projects, but you could in fact approach a small retail store or a small restaurant and, you know, enter the world that way. You know, that's a little, the transition is probably a little bit easier. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And we just, we actually just completed a cosmetic dental office and that scale when now that we've been doing residential longer, it, that scale felt really nice to us. And sometimes I think we forget that that's, you know, that's a commercial job too. And you don't have to, it's much harder to start on a 900 suite hotel project or condo tower. You're, you're most likely not to get those, but this, um, the dental office we did, the client found us on house or Instagram and just reached out and same, same with you said, Oh, I like your work. I like your residential work. Could you do an office? And we said, yeah, of course. Um, that's, that's a much easier transition, I think, to go from residential to commercial. Amazing. Okay, well, let's flip it. So now you're a commercial designer and you've been thinking, wow, it'd be so awesome to take on residential clients. Where do they start? Where did you start, Veronica? Um, I, I, well, I, I got on a couple of uh, platforms like House or Instagram and started, um, I worked on my own house and um, had it photographed and then, um, and it validated me as a residential designer because it was smaller scale. People could see the photos. I even had clients come over to my house, prospective clients come over to my house and, um, and I gave them a tour and told them little things that I did. Um, and it, and it helped. And then with residential, a lot of it is word of mouth. And once you get into the right circle, then things open up and it gets easier. What was um, the biggest adjustment, though? It, because you were fully enmeshed in that commercial world, and then suddenly mm-hmm. Veronica doing residential. What kind of surprised you? What shocked you? What's good? What's bad? Um, I think the intimacy of projects, and you know, you're you're in someone's home, you're working, you're presenting to them in their kitchen, and it's um you're, you're witnessing what the one partner says they like versus the other partner. And you're sort of trying to navigate that and get in the middle of it and 
play psychologist sometimes. And that whole process is completely removed when it, when you're in a boardroom. I do like, I do like the speed that you can see, take a project, a residential project from start to finish. It does move faster and, um, and it just feels a lot more hands-on. You're problem solving with builders on site and, um, and with your clients and that part, that part I really like. How did you find the transition then from working for a big company to becoming partners and having a real, you know, skin in the game? How was that transition for both of you? Veronica, you just launched on your own. Was it scary? How did that work? I was terrified. And when Carrie and I started our careers, neither one of us said one day we're going to have our own firm. Um, it was something that, that just evolved over time. When, um, when I left the firm after being there for 10 years, um, I actually moved to Ottawa and um, started looking around and talking with some design firms there. And, um, and 10 years ago, Ottawa didn't have the same design scene as, um, as it does now. And there wasn't anybody that I wanted to work with or work for. So I started my own company. Once I got it going and, and rolling and um, working on more residential projects, it, um, and then I did also move back to Toronto. Um, once I moved back to Toronto, I started poking at Carrie, asking her um, if she could come and join me because it's lonely at the top. Um, and there's, there's, I can swivel my chair and ask Carrie um, a detailed question. And I know that she understands the intricacy of um, owning a design business and um, Carrie's my sounding board. And um, if I can't come up with a really great design, I know that Carrie can and we, we feed off each other. So we didn't necessarily want to be, this isn't where we plan to be, but I'm so glad that we got to this point because um, having a partner in this design industry is, um, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about getting your business to the place you could sell it? Yes, we would love to. Um, and yeah. that's why our names weren't attached to the, um, to the name of the company so that it's always been a goal for us. Um, so hopefully... Are you kidding? I'd be so excited for you if that could happen. Good good luck with that. I have no doubt you could make it happen. You know, we like to end every episode with design intervention. Could be just a piece of advice that has been critical to your success. Mm. Patience. Um, you need to have a lot of patience in this industry. It, um, it takes a lot to... Um, to get to a point where clients will trust you and um, and give you um, the keys to their to their um, home run project, um, but you can get there if you uh, gain their trust and if you build it slowly. One thing I can think of, and it's maybe not a piece of advice, but just coming from experience, is the importance of um, working with other people and working as a team. And I think a lot of times, especially in residential design, it's a lot of solopreneurs and just, you know, people out there on their own. And we are lucky to have each other and be able to bounce ideas off of each other. And um, if you don't have that, I think it's, I think it's great to seek that out and become buddies with other designers um, in your city or 
industry. Um, it can be a lot of me and mine and holding on to holding on to, um, you know, your business and your projects. And it's just, it's nice to get out there and and mingle a bit more collaborate. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And every time we interview amazing, successful partners like this, I think, oh, I wish I had a partner. (laughs) Seems kind of awesome, you know, like the same way it's like, oh, I wish I had a sister. That would be great. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it feels like. It's, um, yeah, I can't imagine doing this without Veronica. It would be very lonely. Mm -hmm. Same, yeah. Thank you guys so much. It was really good information. So if you're thinking of making the jump from residential to commercial or commercial to residential, you got lots of good information to use. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today 